find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for, asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen. Let me pray, Let me pray for us, and then we'll go straight into it. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to us, God. Uh, Father, today we recognize your goodness, and Lord, we say that we want you um, more than anything else, God. Father, may you speak to us, and may you do what only you can do, God. Father, uh, more than anything, Lord, uh, may you uh, truly be exalted right now in this very moment, Lord. Father, that I may be transparent Lord Father so that you may be clear in this moment that every single person in this group right now and in this meeting will see you Jesus Father we love you Father we trust you in your name we pray Amen Amen uh, with that being said I know many of you guys have already heard this passage before I think we we quote this all the time you go to retreats they quote it all the time like you go to a prayer meeting, they quote this all the time. You go to a church, they quote this all the time, period, right? It's always, man, asking you will receive, seeking you will find, and knocking the door will be open to you, you know? And they're like, let's seek and ask and knock, you know, like two or three times, and two or three or and then they start praying and all those things. And, and, and I remember, you know, when, when I would hear this, it would give me faith, and I'd be like, yeah, I seek and knock, I seek and knock. But then there came a moment where I was going through seasons of my life where people would say that at prayer meetings and I won't believe a word of it. You know what I mean? I'm just like, what the heck, dude? I've been asking. You know, I feel like I've been asking. I've been seeking. I've been knocking, you know, but nothing has been given to me, right? When I ask, I don't think he's ever responded to me. When I sought, I don't think I've found it, right? When I knock, I, I don't feel like it opened to me. And I remember I used to like wrestle with it. And, 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 and there came a season of my life where it was, whenever I heard, uh, yell Jesus three times, I felt like, oh, all right, I'll do it. You know what I mean? I remember one time, um, I think it was at a, a, my old church, um, not TKC, but the church before, um, you know, we got all fired up and, and, and a few of our members went to a, a, a 4CM mission trip and they came back. Right. And I couldn't go to that mission trip. It was the first time I heard of 4CM. And they came back and and they were like, they started doing this geo three call thing. They're like, three times call. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the beginning, I was like, this is cool. And then the fourth time we did it at the same prayer meeting, I was like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Like, like, like how many times do I have to call that, you know, trio? You know what I mean? Like, how many times do I have to do this? And I was like, feeling like this, like, oh, you know, I, okay, fine. I have to, okay, fine. I'll do it. But then I, I read this passage and I realize in this very moment, when God says to ask, seek, and knock, is not in that manner. It's not in this manner where we have to yell and shout and go crazy for him to ask, seek, and knock. I realize that there's a reason why right after this, he talks about how a father and a son interacts. And how when a son asks for bread, the, the, the dad doesn't go and, and give him uh, a stone. Or if he asks for fish, he gives him a snake, right? Or, or you know, um, all that. 
he, I, I realized there's a reason why he does that, right? And I want to kind of dive into that, right? Today is Father's Day. And, and, and I was like, dude, this, this is a perfect message for Father's Day, right? And I was like, dang, what can I preach for Father's Day? And I realized there's so much references in the Bible when it comes to fathers, right? So I was like, dude, this is, this is awesome. And, and the moment I prayed into Father's Day and I said, Lord, I want to speak about the greatest father of all, right? You, God, right? And, and I was praying into it. The first thing that hit me was this passage for some reason. And I was like, dang, what is it that you're trying to tell me? And I realized it has a lot to do with me becoming a father as well. And I'm starting to see things that I've not seen in the past. What a heart of a father truly looks like, right? You know, let me tell you my experience for the last uh, couple months, right? Um, and I'm just going to kind of explain it to you just briefly, just shortly, right? Because I don't think I could put it all into like, you know, uh, the 10 minutes that I want to explain or five minutes that I want to take, right? But, but here it is, uh, a summary of, of, of what's been going on, right? Here it is, ready? Um, I wake up in the morning to a crying baby. I change his diaper, I feed him, hang out with him for about 30 minutes. He gets all like droopy and tired again. I put him down to sleep and then he wakes up, starts crying. So I go and I get him and I'm like, oh shoot, why are you crying, you know? And then I change his diaper, I feed him, play with him for 30 minutes and I put him down. And I think like, okay, fine, he's gonna sleep for a couple minutes. Let me go and work on some stuff. I go to my little living room and I'm working on stuff and I hear him cry. I'm like. What the heck? So I go and I look at him. He's like, he has his pacifier out of his mouth. So I'm like, oh, I better put it back in his mouth. You know what I mean? Like, and, and guess what? That happens all day, every day. You know what I mean? Like such an eventful, eventful two and a half months. But it happens every day, all day, right? And, and, and when, I, when I have these moments, right? I remember one time this guy wouldn't sleep. And I remember I was like, oh gosh, why aren't you sleeping? Why aren't you sleeping? You know, and, and he's just crying like, ah. And I'm like, dude, you just ate, bro. You just ate. And I realized this guy has increments of eating of two hours and three hours. And I realized we we're hitting the two-hour mark. And he was like, I'm hungry again. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy's hung this guy's sleepy. This guy's sleepy. And he's just like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You know, he just cried. And I'm like doing everything I can. I'm like, what well, what is it? What is it? You know, like changing his diaper and all these things. But I realized that every single time that my baby cries. It's like this, like, like I get all panicky, right? Well, initially, I remember when it first, when he first started crying and going frantic, I was so panicky. I didn't know what to do, but Joanne was super calm. You know, she was like, yeah, it's fine. I think he needs a diaper change. I think he needs milk. And I'm just like, oh, like, what? Like, do something. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just freaking out, right? But I realized that for me, at the core of it, even if my kid can't speak, even if it can't tell me, if he, even if he can't explain it in his own words, what he wants, for me, I want to give him exactly what he wants and needs, right? Like, I wasn't frantic because he was crying. I was frantic because I wanted to soothe him from, being, from crying, right? I'm not, I'm not just freaking out because if he cries, something's going to happen. I'm crying at the fact that he is crying. I mean, not crying. I'm, I'm panicking at the fact that he is crying, right? I'm trying to soothe him. I'm trying to help him. 
And I realized that's the heart of a father, right? And, and I know that many of, I mean, all of us, actually, all of us here don't have kids, right? But I want to kind of show you that, like, it, within my experience, that every time Roman cries, I feel like, man, I have to do something. Every time he, he desires something, I, I want to I go, and, go and do whatever I can to help him, right? With that being said, when I read this passage, I realized that it's not a matter of yelling and, and asking because I realized that even if Roman grows to be one or two or three years old and, and he starts to speak, I don't know what it is, man, but I've been watching a lot of videos of little toddlers, right? There's like super cute videos everywhere on Instagram with like little babies. They're like super talkative, super happy and all these things. But I, but I realized that they don't need to at a certain age, they don't need to yell. They could just come up to come up to you and say, "Hey, Dad, I'm hungry." And the dad's like, "Oh, you're hungry? Oh, I got you." You know, "Hey, Dad, I'm I'm thirsty. All right, here here's your juice." You know, "Hey, Mom, I gotta go pee pee. All right, let's go pee pee." You know what I mean? Like simple things, but I realized that they don't need to yell at a certain point. But at the same time, but the heart of God, heart of a father has never shifted from the moment where they were yelling as a baby to when they were a little older and they were asking with their voices. And I realized this, in this passage, there's a reason why after it says, ask, seek, and knock, that God goes and, and starts to say that if your son asks for a bread, you don't give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you don't give him a serpent. And it says, if you who are evil know how to get gifts for your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I realize this, that this is not speaking to a father. This is speaking to children. He's not speaking to fathers who are listening to him, right? He's speaking to children who are listening to him and giving an example of a relationship that they have with their children here on earth, right? To be able to connect with them, to be able to show them how good God is. And I realized this, in this passage, when it talks about good, uh, a lot of times um, in our minds, when we read the word good, it's something that makes us feel good, right? When I think good, I think it's, it's something that, man, satisfies me. When I have this ice cream, right? Man, I've been missing Jenny's ice cream, man. That's good. You know what I mean? Like, I've been, I've been missing, you know, uh, uh, some of the stuff in, in K-Town right now, man. I, I don't know why, but I've been missing Yup Dog for some reason. I don't even like Yup Dog that much. You know what I mean? Like, I've been missing all these things, and, and they're good. You know what I mean? Wow, they're good. But I don't think this word right here is describing that kind of good. I realized this, this passage, when it translates into the Greek, it's, it's a contradictory word to evil right? It's not saying good as in tastes good or feels good. It's saying it's not evil. It's righteous, right? And it's saying, and I realize a lot of Christians forsake this right here. And they think that that word means good as in makes you feel good or establish something where you feel good about yourself. But I realized that that passage is completely misunderstood by so many Christians because that passage this specific passage means righteousness it doesn't mean feeling good or doing what you want to make you feel like you have reached something it is specifically calling saying hey this is righteousness 
If you ask for good gifts, if you ask for righteous gifts, he is a God that is willing to give you righteous gifts. That's what he's saying. And I realized this, that as a father, let's say my kid came up to me and asked me for a gift that I felt like would actually hinder him. I would never give it to him. As a father, if my kid came up to me and said, hey, dad, I want a gun. <laughs> a three-year-old kid comes up to me and says, hey, dad, can you buy me a gun? I'll probably look at him and be like, you crazy boy. You just keep dreaming about this gun. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to give it to you. Why? It's not right for him. If my kid came up to me and said, hey, dad, I need $250. And I'm like, what the heck are you going to use $250 for? He goes, yeah, I'm going to buy a game system. And he's like five years old. I'll probably be like, oh, dude, I don't know if that's the wisest thing to do. And I realized this is what it is. As a child, yes, we can ask for gifts, but not many times we ask for good gifts. And, but God is a God that gives us good gifts, righteous gifts that are in line of what he desires. You know, speaking of son, I, I was, I was kind of wrestling and, and, and really just, really just uh, uh, fighting with how we're going to go about this passage and how we're going to go about this topic of fatherhood because I felt like in my heart I should talk about the father, you know, who, whom we love. And, and the more I thought about it, I, I just keep coming back to the relationship of a father and a child, right? And what's crazy is when God talks about children in the Bible, it is with such reverence. It's really crazy, right? Uh, for example, I think it's in the um, uh, book, of, uh, uh, book of Mark, right? I think chapter 10 or something is when, when God says, uh, when, when all these people are trying to get their children, right, uh, to, to be touched by Jesus, right? I don't know if you guys ever seen uh, news when uh, the Pope comes out, like, to wave at people, a bunch of parents, like they get their little babies and they're like, oh, 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 you know, and the Pope like kisses them like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know, my kids bless, you know, and in the same way, they're like, oh, Jesus, you know, it's Jesus. So they're like, obviously like, yo, Jesus, touch my kid, like bless my kid. Like I want the best for my kid, you know, like I'm sure all the Asian, uh, Korean moms will be in the first, like beating people up saying, oh, touch my kid. You know what I mean? They're like, yo, touch my kid, you know, like bless my kid, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, in that midst, uh, all, the disciples are like, hey, like, stop it. You know, stop, stop doing that. You know, like, get, get those kids out of his face. You know what I mean? Like, get that out of his face, you know? And they're like, dude, dude, don't do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey, let me, let the children come to me because you must be like these children. You must be like these children, right? And, 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 and if you are like these children, you belong to the kingdom. And, and when, I, when I thought about this passage, I was like, man, this is, this is really beautiful, right? As a father, I realized this, that there's nothing I won't do for my son, right? There's literally nothing I won't do for my son. I, 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 get, I go crazy. I will go crazy for my son, right? You know, when I watch the movie Taken, and that guy was going crazy to get his daughter back. I'll do, I, I'll try to get my son back, right? Like, I'll do whatever I can to get my son back. I'll do whatever I can to make sure my son is, uh, uh, you know, uh, well taken care of. I'll do whatever 
I, I can to make sure he has food on his plate every day. I'll do whatever I can to make sure he has the best clothes. I'll do whatever I can. And I realized in this passage, uh, something that I'm starting to kind of understand is this. A lot of times Christians have forgotten how to become children in the eyes of God. Right. Christians have been good at becoming leaders. Christians have become good at uh, uh, becoming uh, uh, like uh, evangelists and, and, and people who, who go to uh, Christian conferences and all those things. But they, a lot of Christians right now, even myself, I realized there are seasons where, where we forget that we are children of God. That we have the ability to ask, seek, and knock. Because we are children of God. And the funny thing about children is this. They ask the craziest things. Right? That grown-ups cannot. You know, they, they, they can do whatever they want that grown-ups cannot. You know, for example, recently I went to my parents' house. Because we got a house tented. We needed a place to stay for a few days. And I realized there was three generations of O's there, right? There was, there was my baby, myself, and then my dad, right? And we're just there, you know, and, and we're just chilling together. But when I was starting to see the interaction between us three, it was so weird. It was so different. I felt like, whoa, this is so, this is kind of weird, right? Because when I was at the house, right, my dad, he's, he's a very strict man, and, and he was a military dude. He, he does come though, and he's a master and all those things, you know, so he's, like, super, like, together, like, you know, like, you know, when we were little kids and he was going to take pictures, I don't know if you guys ever had this happen to you, he would yell at us if you don't smile correctly, like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, like, like, he was, like, that kind of guy, and then I see him, and we're hanging out at, at this house. Uh, at my parents' house, and I see him interact with this baby, and this baby just farting it up and pooing and all those things. He's just like, oh, my God, it's so cute, you know, like, yo, you know, I have to hug you, you know, I have to, like, hold you and all those things. And then, and then I'm, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, holy crap, this is, this is a side of my dad I've never seen before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've never seen this before in my life, you know? And then, and then I go, and, and I'm talking to my dad, and, and the way that I talk to my dad is completely different from the interaction he has with, with the baby, right? I'm like, hey, dad, uh, um, you know, I have to think twice before I ask questions. I have to make sure, like, my questions are right. You know what I mean? I'm, like, thinking, like, oh, you know, is this going to burden him? You know, like, it, it, like, like, should I, you know? And I felt really weird. I'm my, at my parents' house. I'm like, yo, uh, can I get a Coke? You know what I mean? Like, and my parents are like, yeah, of course you can get a Coke. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, um, um, can I, can I, can I take a shower? You know, and they're like, yeah, of course take a shower. You know, but I realized this. But my baby go, cries and both my parents are all over him like, oh, are you hungry? Or oh, you do this? Or oh, you do this? And I realized that there's a difference between a child and a man, right? And a lot to do with, and, and I realized what has to do with uh, what the difference is, is humility and pride. I realized I cannot move out of that area of pride as a man to approach my dad, who's still my father, to say, I could take a Coke because I'm your son. I could take a shower because I'm your son. But because I was a man now, I was like, oh, I got I to 
I got to do something, you know, I got to like hold myself up a certain way. I have to make sure that I'm not burdening anyone. I got to carry my own weight. But my dad in his mind, he's saying, dude, you're still a kid to me. But then my baby, right? He, he didn't give a crap. Literally. He just crapped everywhere. Just, you know, he just, he just cried everywhere. He just asked for milk. Like he was just doing whatever. He was literally grabbing my mom's hair, like yanking on it. You know, like he was just doing whatever. He didn't care because in him, he, he, in him, in his mind, he's thinking, man, I, you know, I just want milk. And there's a person that will provide me milk because they love me. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, even if he gets a little older, I can't imagine him being a five-year-old going up to me saying, Dad, can I please, I beg of you. I don't want to burden you, but can I please get a cup of water? I can't imagine him doing that. But I realize this, even in faith, there's a difference between childlike faith and pride. And I realized that many people who are in the faith because they desired maturity so much, they forsook their childlike faith before God. Because they desired to be this mature Christian so much that they forgot what it, what it feels like to be childlike before God. You know, when I was preparing this, I was filled with so much fear in my heart because I realized that I'm on that same boat. When I was looking at my son a few days ago, I started to cry because I realized that I've become this weird philosopher before a child of God. Then I realized I try to justify everything. I realized that I try to make sense of everything. I, I try to uh, 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 be this guy who, have, who has all the answer. As a pastor, man, let me tell you, when someone comes up to me with a question, my first instinct is to say, I know. My first instinct is to say, man, I heard it in the Bible. I, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. My first instinct is to, you know, make sure that I understand and I, I could be that person of voice and all those things. But I realized this, the first thing that God calls me to do before any of that is to be a child before him with no motives. That is the biggest thing that a lot of people are missing at this place of faith. That childlike faith is not no childish faith. Childlike faith is faith with humility. And humility in the eyes of man looks different from the humility of eyes of God. Humility in the eyes of man might say, man, you got to be humble. Like you can't boast. You can't do any of that. But humility in the eyes of God is saying, ask me things that you feel like you should be able to ask me. Ask me things that you, sh you feel like you should be able to take care of yourself. Ask me for things that you feel like you should be able to uphold yourself in. Ask me in all those little things because I'm a father who is good and I will give you good gifts if you were ask me. It's like this. A lot of times what happens is we forsake God in the little things of our lives. 
But those little things matter to God. Because we think we're so high and mighty. We think we're so above it all that we truly understand. Let me tell you right now, there's so many things I still don't understand. There's so many things that I still don't know the answers to. There's too many things that I still don't really fully grasp. But there's one thing that I want to grasp in this season is that there is a God who is good, who is my father, who I could turn to for whatever question and whatever wrestling I go through in my life. That's point two of who the father is in your life. Let me tell you, I'm sure many of you guys feel like, man, I feel so tired of trying to be this good Christian. Let me tell you right now, you shouldn't be tired of trying to be a good Christian. You should be leaning on the Father fully in this season. And then there's, there's one more thing that I want to go over with when it comes to the Father. The first thing we went over is that you can approach Him as a child. The second thing is to humble yourself as a child. But I realize this, the Father's love is not conditional to anything that we've done. You know, um, the beauty of it is this. And I think, I think one of the things that we want to look at is it comes from Luke 15, where it talks about the prodigal son. I know you've, you guys have heard this passage many times. I know you've heard this, you know, preached that many times. But I want to kind of give you a perspective. There's a son. There's two sons, actually, and a father, right? Normson, the young, youngest son. And you guys know this story, but I want to kind of explain to you so you could get a perspective. The youngest son goes up to the father and says, hey, I want my inheritance, right? I want my inheritance so that I could go and, and live my own life because I don't want to be a part of your life anymore, right? And then, and then the son goes, you know, give it to me. So the father, you know, this is a nice father, right? If, if, this, was, if this was my dad, he would probably beat me up and put me in my room for like, you know, a few days, you know, without food or something. It was so crazy, you know? But he's like, he's like, oh, you know what? Here, here, take it all, you know? And, and he goes and, and it says he just uses it up. However, prodigal means to use up extravagantly. Prodigal means, it, a lot of people think prodigal means like the son that comes back, but it, it doesn't, that's not what it means. Prodigal means it's a person that used stuff extravagantly, like, like uh, uh, wastefully. Right. He just used it up like however he wants. Like, you know, he's he's probably going to casinos and, and parking in his car. And then the valet comes. He tips him like 200 bucks or something. Some crazy stuff, you know, like he's just doing whatever he wants with the money. Like, oh, you know, let it rain. You know, and he's just going crazy. And then there comes a time where he gets to a point where he's so low. He's looking at these pigs eating their food. And he's thinking, man, like I, I will want some of that. And then he comes to a realization where he's like, man, I would live better as my dad's servant than how I'm living right now. 
So he's heading home to his dad, and he's thinking, he's like, oh, man, you don't even need, need to take me back as your son. Just take me back as your servant. You know, he's just reciting it over his head, like, oh, you know, just take me back, you know, God. You know, I mean, dad, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that I did this. You know, I'm sorry I wasted all the money, you know, all those things. He's coming back, and his dad runs out to him, and he covers him with the rope, puts a ring on him, gives him sandals, and then he says, hey, kill the fattened calf. When my son is back home. And then there's a second son. The son that was still faithful to his dad. He comes back from working. And all of a sudden he sees a party. Right? Can you imagine that? You're like so faithful to your dad. You're like, you, you served your family so, so, you know, so well. Think about your sibling right now. For those of you guys having a sibling, right? Right? Like you've been so faithful to your family. But your sibling has been such a headache to your mom and dad. And all of a sudden your sibling says, I'm sorry. And then people, oh, let's storm a party. You know, like I would be pissed off too, right? If, if freaking, you know, Brian or Ted was like, you know, like, like disobedience to my parents and they're throwing up a party and I'm like, oh, dude, I've been obedient this whole time. You know, like, I'll be mad too. This guy comes back, sees a party and he's like, yo, what the heck, dude? Where's my party? You never throw me a party. And the dad goes like this, what's mine was always yours. Why am I sharing this story? It's because this shows the heart of a father very well. And the wickedness of his children very well. I realized this, both sons sinned. The first one sinned with a, a desire to, to live his own life. The second one sinned by, uh, with a desire and an and unwillingness to forgive his brother. One was unforgiveness. The other one was a desire to live for his own. But you know what was crazy about this passage? It's this. That the father showed love to both sons. A lot of times we forsake the second son. A lot of times we forget about the second son. But I realized when I read this passage now, the father's heart was for both sons, but the reaction was different. Because he knew them personally. He knew exactly what they needed. He knew exactly what they were asking for. You know, can I tell you guys something? When I read this passage recently, it, it challenged me. Because I realized the call in this passage is not to be like the first son or the second son. The call in this passage is to have a passion and a compassion like the father. You know, and, and, and when, I, when I read this passage, I can't help but to feel... That God's love for all of us is the same way. That no matter whether you feel like, man, I'm too good for this, right? Because the first son, his attitude was that. I'm too good for you, dad. I, I, I want things that you can't give me. I have too many things that I want to do that you cannot give me. Or if you're the second son who's like, man, I'm, I've been serving you begrudgingly. Because <laughs> that's the only way he will get upset if he was genuinely serving his dad the whole time when the son comes and there's a party he will rejoice with his dad but the fact that he got upset was because he was hoping for something more than his dad he was actually hoping for parties he was actually hoping for his inheritance as well 
That's why he got upset. And no matter where you're at right now, whether you're like, man, I can't do this. I, I'm over it. Just give me the inheritance. Give me what you got to give me and I'm done. I'm just going to use it up and live however I want. And then the second one is, man, I've been serving. I've been serving yourself faithfully. I've been doing all these things. Why is it that you're blessing someone else that didn't even give you as much as I've given you? You know, you know that heart. I don't know about you, but I've been in both places. When I first got saved, I was in that place where I said, I want nothing to do with God. I don't want anything to do with God. I remember there were moments where I cursed out God. I remember I, I remember there were situations at home that were not being answered. I'll pray to God and feel like, man, he's not answering me. He's not doing anything for me. Why do I have to continue to believe God? I remember the moment I started getting to that place, I was cursing at God, saying, I don't want none of you. I don't want anything to do with you and doing all those things. And then I get to another place where I became saved. And I got to a place where I felt like I'm serving and serving and serving and serving. And I see someone who just got saved doing so much more than what I thought I could do my Myself. I remember I got so bitter and I said, God, why? Like, I've been serving you so faithfully, but why is it that that person who just got saved is doing much more for you than I ever did? But here's where we need to see the third part of the, of the heart of God is that God is a compassionate God. God is a compassionate God. He's a God that understands your situation, whether you're so far off or you're so close. It doesn't matter. He's a compassionate God. In this passage, I, this father in this passage is a father that truly cared for his sons. That when his son came and said, hey, I want all your inheritance, it hurt him. But he wasn't angry. It didn't say he took out the rod. It said he said it said he gave it to him. And it hurt him. And he was hopeful. And he was waiting. And he's been watching, waiting for his son to come back. And then when the second son came and started complaining to him, he said it didn't say that he rose his voice. It says, Man, what's mine is yours. It's always been yours. Can I tell you right now, can I speak to some of you? That the father today is saying this, no matter where you're at right now, he's not a God right now who's going to lift the rod against you. He, under he understands you. I think a few weeks ago, we talked about a God who sympathizes. And I want to say God sympathizes with you in every situation of your life. Now, does that mean we live however we want? Now, does that mean we live, you know, do whatever we want? I would say no. Because at that point, you're forsaking your relationship with God in that season. And you're for forsaking having all that belongs to him. Because you're choosing to see something that's so far from him. That son couldn't see. The second son couldn't see that all that belonged to the father belonged to him. Because he was so focused on what was given to the youngest son. But I want to tell you right now. To fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Because that's all that belongs to you. Jesus is all that belongs to you. Jesus is all that belongs 
to you. Jesus has given his life freely for you. Jesus has given all that he has for you to the point of death on the cross. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is your reward. Jesus is your treasure. There's nothing in this world right now I'm saying with confidence that will satisfy you apart from Jesus. Why? Because I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted this world. I've tasted alcohol. I've done drugs. I've, I've had relationship with girls. I've done all of it. I've tasted the world and seen, but that the world is not as good and nothing compares to the love of God. Let me tell you right now, fix your eyes on Jesus once again, because that is your treasure. He is your treasure. That's how good the Father is. The Father welcomes you as a child today to have that faith, to believe what you ask, seek, and knock, you will receive. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean He'll give you whatever you want. It means He will give you according to the Father. I'm not going to give Roman whatever he wants because I know some things are not good for him and some things are great for him. And then second, God is a God that has a, a abundant, abundant, abundant love for you. Because as a child, as long as you come before him as a child, humble before him, not having this facade, he is so willing to call you one of his own. And there's nothing that's going to separate you from that love. And then thirdly, God has compassion for you. I know some of us in this season might be going through seasons of hardship. There's some of us in this season that, that might be going through seasons of doubt. There's some of us in this season who might be going through seasons of sin even. But let me tell you right now, God has compassion for you. All you have to do is come back like that prodigal son to say, God, I, I, I sought after other things, but I realized there's nothing compared to your love. And he is there for you. And Jesus is your price. Can I tell you guys right now that as I was really just thinking and praying, for this passage today and, 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 and this message today, I couldn't help but to wonder, man, how much does God truly love us as a father? Because I, if I'm honest, man, I, I love my son to death. <laughs> I, I would like I said, I'll, I'll literally do anything for him. He's not done anything good, right? I think Pastor Dennis, like a few days ago, like, gave us a seminar and gave us an example of how his little daughter has done nothing good, right? Like my, my son, he's never done anything good. I think he's never like once offered to like, you know, change his own diaper. You know, he's, he's never once offered to like feed himself. Like he's never done anything good, but I just love him. So in my mind, I'm thinking, man, when it says how much more does a father in heaven like want to give to you? I'm thinking like, holy crap, this is crazy. 
And I think we need to ponder on that as we leave this place today. That God is good. And that even his goodness is beyond what we could even perceive. And let's trust in that in this season and really try our best to approach him as a child before a leader. Try our best to approach him as a child, even myself as a pastor. Because I realize there's beauty in that. That is for 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 shape for for suckers, whatever forsaken by so many Christians, even myself. So let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. Let's pray for a little bit. And then what we will do is we're going to head out to our small groups. And then we'll head on out of here. Right now, let's pray right now. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll, we'll close it out today. But as I pray, I want you to join in in prayer with me. And I want to pray over you guys and ask the Lord to really meet you guys today in the seasons to come. That he will give you guys a heart like a child before him. That you have courage in the season to ask for good gifts. You have courage in the season to just approach him as a child. No matter where you're at right now, no matter what kind of sin you're living in, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how much doubt you have, that you'll approach him as a child today. Not as a person who tries to understand, not as a person who, who says they know or whatnot, but a person who is completely humble before the presence of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we ask that you will meet each and every person here today, Lord. Father, I pray that you will give us courage in the season to be like children, Lord, to ask you, Lord Father, and to seek and knock, Lord Father God, your heart, Lord. But Lord, you are our treasure. You are our greatest joy, Lord Father. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that we will not uh, carry a heart of pride, Lord, but Lord, a heart of humility before you, Lord, as a child, to be able to ask for you to move in every area of our lifestyle, not just in areas, oh Father, where we feel like it's out of control, not just in areas, oh Father, where we feel like we, we do not have control, but Lord, that every area will be covered by you, Jesus. Give us courage, Lord Father, in this season to do so. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are having a difficult season, that they will remember God, that you are a compassionate God, that you are a merciful God. And Lord, you are a God that loves us so much that you sent your only, only begotten Son, Lord Father, to die for our sins so that we may be reconciled to you once again. Father, we love you. We praise you. We adore you. In your name we pray. Amen.